Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, bonjour, hello. Welcome to a new episode of Growing with Proficiency. So if you have been listening lately, I'm doing a series of um, episodes really focusing on how we can make comprehensible and communicative language teaching easy, how we can make this easy. Because I know, and I'm doing here a cantaleta, and if this is the first time that you hear that word, cantaleta is a word in Colombia that we use when we repeat over and over the same thing. So this is my cantaleta. If we could not sustain it, it's not effective. So the idea is that for you to really be able to sustain these strategies. And here with me is an incredible guest. You're going to be so excited to learn from her is Kerry Todd. So I have a big, big, super fan of her. I have learned so much from her blog and all the things that she shares. She's so generous. She is so creative. She is, you know, like a, a person that I truly, truly admired. And I'm so thankful that she accepted my invitation. So, Carrie, first, thank you so much for accepting uh, my invitation to come and talk to our teachers about how we can make our classes easy, but yet keep acquisition-driven instruction at the center, keep our students listening and reading, and then made it easy for us. So thank you so much, and tell us a little bit about you. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to be a guest on your podcast. You are a superstar, and I'm a big fan of yours as well. I am a Spanish teacher. I have levels two, three, and four. And I'm in my 30th teaching year. So it is a long, long career. And I really, this year, I hope you don't mind me taking one second to say this year is a little bittersweet because at the end of this year in Illinois, we get a 6% raise every year for the last four years uh, before mm -hmm. you go into the retirement system. And I, knowing that that's coming at the end of the year, like I'm looking at everything and thinking, oh, after this year, I only do that four more times or like the end really feels real. And that's a little scary. <laughs> I know I, I, you know, but my mom said something, my mom was a, a teacher, a, a college professor, and she said something that I really kind of like, just stay with me. She said, I retired at the perfect moment because I still love what I was doing. And I think that is so great because I, I think having that feeling, the feeling that you have is the feeling that we all want to have when we are retiring, being happy and excited for what's coming, but also kind of like sad to leave because that yeah. means that you still love what you do. 
I do love what I do. I get so excited to be in there with them. So I'm excited about this topic because reading is something we do a ton of, but also like the follow-up types of things are something I'm really excited about. Me too. And I and I just want everybody to be able to be teaching for 30 years. <laughs> so Me too. We want to make, and then at the 30th year, just being it's sad, like excited that we're leaving, but sad because we love what we do. So uh, let's start with this uh, uh, podcast where we're going to really talk about the follow-up, what we're going to do after reading, because we need to like remember that the essential part is reading texts that we can understand. So after we do that, can we do more? And the the answer is, of course, we can do more. And that's what I invited Kerry to talk. So let's leave. You can share kind of like your to go favorite activities as individual that students can do on their own individually after they have read a text that they understood. Well, I think there are three kinds of individual activities that I lean on in my class. And honestly, it just depends on the day and what's happening and the class. So you have an individual activity like just a a worksheet of comprehension questions. So if you're reading something that has a teacher's guide or that has comprehension questions with it, those can be a great way just for you to have a downtime break at the end. If you're tired, if you have a sub, like those comprehension questions are not my go-to, but it's something you have in your bag of tricks to make this sustainable. Like we need to stay in for, I have to be here 34 years. And so I have to make it to the end going strong. So keep those in your back pocket. Keep things like Gimkit and Quizlet and Bluekit because those are individual players all doing like a review of whatever the text you read was, whatever the you know questions you've written about that text. But you again get a little break while they're playing and doing it. So don't forget you have those options. You also can do individual things like have everybody have a whiteboard and ask them some questions and have them pop up answers or an exit ticket. Probably the quickest, easiest thing I do is I keep pre-made exit tickets by the door. And so they're all copied and everything. I think, okay, I'm going to give them five true-false questions. And I just pass out the little thing with true-false on it, and they circle their answers. And I have a quick comprehension check, but it's something individually they did to follow up that chapter. And I love the fact that you have those four, that you don't require any extra prep for those four. And then you don't have to make constant decisions about the four. And I think that is something that sometimes we forget. We love the fancy, we the whistle and whistles and all the things. And because they're fun, right? Right, they're fun. Yeah. But how much we can sustain that? So we don't have to do it all the time. And I was talking to my friend Meredith White a few days ago, and we were talking about how my stu- my kids, my own children here in my house, sometimes they don't like broccoli. Like they really don't like broccoli, but I ha- we have to eat broccoli. And the end, they eat the broccoli. So that is like the comprehension questions. Maybe it's not the favorite thing that our students do, but it does the work. It does the work that get our students read back and answer the comprehension questions. Same as Kim Kid and Blueclet. Sometimes like, oh, again, Blueclet. Like, yeah, again, Blueclet. Yeah, Blueclet. <laughs> so just don't let that like really get you in this wheel of finding the activity that is going to get your students all happy because they're kids. And, you know, they just tend to complain just because that's what they're doing. So. Yes. 
Log all those activities. Okay, now let's move to group activities. What type of group activities? Because I think, I don't know you, Carrie, but my students answer, and I think it was in the last year survey, what is the thing that you want to do more? And guess what they answer? More group activities. I actually, if I have a preference for how to end a chapter of reading, I would choose group activities. Uh, Anytime over individual because your individual that doesn't really understand if they're part of a group that is thinking about and brainstorming answers to these questions to play a follow up game or to do a follow up little activity they're getting re-exposed to the story and, you know, they're hearing the other kids maybe talk about what they didn't understand about it. So I think group activities are good in more than one way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason that I didn't like them, I mean, I know it's like I didn't like them, but it's just, I didn't have control of every single thing. Right. I'm sorry. No, I know it. You're not alone in that. Um, I noticed the, sometimes the other teachers on my floor are just, I can see that they don't understand how I can let go of control like that because they're very, you know. Yeah, but I think, but I think our students and these kids that we have right now in our classes are hungry for that. And because of that, let it go. I mean, like, I think uh, we were talking with Diane Newber, Dr. Diane Newber uh, in the past summer about students using English or the common language and how sometimes we become like police of the target (laughs) language and she was saying like just sometimes it's good sometimes when they are discussing in their common language what they just read in the target language and they are like showing understanding that's great like sometimes they're so interested in what they read that they don't have the novel language in the target language that they switch to English. Yeah. That's something that we should be okay with and let go. So yes, I love that you said that. That was sometimes we just have to let go the control. So share with us some of your favorite group activities. Well, I, you know, I have a ton of activities that I like to do afterwards, but some of my favorites are kind of gamified versions of those same comprehension questions that I might have in the past done as a worksheet. Now I'm kind of playing it like a game. So uh, we play one game called the unfair game. And we learned this from Martina Bex at the Comprehensible Classroom. So if anybody has played that, basically they have a big game board and they choose a number and behind that number there's an amount of points. So if the group is correct with their answer to the question, they can choose to keep them or give them away. And then whoever has the the closest to zero at the end wins, but other people are like throwing points at you or taking points from you. And so um, it's, it's fun to see them get competitive and they're listening to the comprehension questions that we would have done. And then you don't just have the question on the page and they write their answer. You also can discuss it a little bit like, well, it says that she tried the broccoli, but did she enjoy eating it when she tried the broccoli? So you you add a little bit more at that point. Yes. Yes. That's so good. I love that game. And I think our students just love those games. And whenever, because I think the only time that you're going to do a lot of prep for that, for the first game is building your board. But after you build the board, you can use it with any questions. Yes, absolutely. So it's like a super a recyclable people, activity. Yeah, a lot of people have free boards already out there that you can just uh, borrow a board. So um, I also 
like, I think my current trend in follow-up games is things that get them going back, reading the text again. So uh, one game that we've been playing, I called it freeze find. I had them pick out a line from the chapter, any line, and in their group of three or four, they posed and took a, a picture of themselves that represented that line in the chapter. Or they can just act it out in the classroom. They can stand frozen like they're the picture. And then the other students had to read back through the text to try and find the sentence that described what they saw in the picture or in the live action, you know, freeze frame pose. So I like that because then they really are like carefully reading the text. Well, no, she looks like she's sad. So it can't be this part. It has to be this part. Oh my God, that's such a fun game. How many uh, students per group do you do with that game? That game we did two per group, um, but you could do it with three or four per group easily. You know, somebody might have to be a plant and somebody a table. And then, you know, the two characters when they pose for their picture or in their freeze frame. Um, But yeah, I would say groups of three or four would work. It was really not, I mean, I had a lot of groups with groups of two. Uh, but it was kind of cool because we got to do more sentences from the book that way. Of course. I love that game. And I think movement for our students is so needed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that just, and get them like a different type, because I think our students have different ways to learn. And some of them, the, the kinesthetic part is right there and you can do it. And again, you know, love it. It's like, what prep do you, do you really need for these games? So through text. Just your comprehension questions from your text. Like if you have a text that already has them prepared, even better, because all you have to do is say, okay, uh, you know, here's some lines of text. Here's some comprehension questions. Here's some whatever you have in your resources and no prep required. Oh, love it. Love it. Any other games that you have for us, Carrie? I also, and this one, I believe I learned from Anne-Marie Chase, um, we like doing game of quotes. Uh, when we've read three or four or five or six chapters, I like to put them in a small group and game of quotes, you post some little images. People have them all over the internet. So you don't even have to, you know, make up your own scenarios, but it's just like something you wouldn't want to overhear in the bathroom. And they have to go through the text that you've read so far to find something that would be funny or cute or would fit that prompt. Oh my gosh, Carrie, I played that game last year. And I was like, when I read it and I read it in Anna Marie Chase blog, I was like, hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I wasn't like 100% sure. Like if my students would like the game, they loved it. (laughs) They loved it. And you're right. So she even has, and I'm going to put that link in her, in our show notes. She even has all the quotes. Like what, what is something that you would never say to your mom? Or what would be like a perfect excuse that you would tell to your teacher? Or I think if somebody invites you to go out, how would you say, how you invite excuse? And then you have to go to your chapter again with your group and then vote which one is the best sentence or quote from the book. Love it. Yes, it is such a fun game. And just so... You don't want to say, hey, let's read chapter two again. Kids aren't going to want to read the same chapter twice, but they don't even notice that they're reading when they're digging in there to find a quote that you don't want to hear your mom say. So uh, it's just sort of manipulating the mind a little bit into rereading text. 
Yes. And I love also that you really go deeper into text when you do that type because it requires so much more thought about it. So I love, love that game. Okay. So we have a lot here that I know teachers would love to try in their classroom. Now, is there any follow up, like, like maybe a review thing, maybe after you have read the entire text of the entire novel and, or watch the entire movie or the, the clip chat or whatever it is that you're doing in class and you are getting ready for your assessment. What type of follow up activity would you use that is not very heavy in prep? The two things that I, what the zero prep one, I have them do a game called uh, musical chairs retail. And so they basically sit, uh, you know, in a table, maybe four around, you could put your desks into pods, but you know, about four kids in a little rotation, you could do five or six, no reason you couldn't. And I start a timer for a minute and they start to write. Like what happened in the book? And they just start at the beginning and start to write. And when the timer goes off, they have to get up and move to the next paper and the next paper. So I increase the time each time just so that they have more time to read what the people have written before them. Uh, But they're retelling the story all together at their table. So that's a good way to let them be in a group, let them review. Again, they're rereading text. I mean, this is not a clean copy of text. They're not you know, perfect grammarians or anything. So they're getting some not the greatest input, but sometimes they're the ones that go, why did it say this? It should say this. And you know what? Talking about that, um, I was talking with Dr. Florencia Henshu a couple of episodes back and she made the comment about, you know, sometimes the a great input for our students is the output that our students provide. And then she said, some people are like hesitant because they say, oh, but the students output may have errors but they're not errors that they're going to see constantly enough like no there is not going to be repetition enough of that specific error for us to acquire the error so I think the benefit like outweighed the minimal like (laughs) yeah by far so I love that game and it's again movement again this the text and you have zero prep zero prep that uh, you can do the same, like a variation of that would be that snowball one where they just sit in their own chair and they all uh, write however much until the timer. And then they wad the paper up and throw it in the air and pick up a different snowball and open it up and do the story. I mean, it, they're all just giving variety and tricking their brain into thinking we're doing something different when those two activities are exactly the same, but they feel different because you're throwing paper wads in one. Oh my gosh. You know, the snowball activity, my, I did it a lot for interpersonal. So it was kind of like I posed a question, like, what did you do last weekend? And instead of doing it like normal, they would write it on a piece of paper. And then they have to like grab it up and throw it and then say, Oh, like choose what activity I I also did. So find something similarity or an activity that I didn't do. Like, oh, I didn't, you know, went to the beach, but I did this. And then they do it again and they do it again and pick up. So, but I never thought about doing it as a retail of a text. This is so good. But I never thought of it that way either. So now I'm thinking, man, at the end of the book, you could have them writing each other questions like, uh, who is your favorite character in the story? And chuck that as, a, yeah. Yes. And then yeah, they respond it. And it's like, and, and then 
my students loved it. So I have like, I, I really pump it up when I was do the, po- the, the, the pop up um, activity uh, and uh, the paper fight activity. And then I said, okay, we're ready. We're ready. Okay. To the count of three. And I say, one, two, three, go. And they will just throw the papers at them and then say, stop, grab one. And then they will grab one. And it was just like, they were so into that. And it's like a little thing, like, right? Like I didn't prep anything. I just have pieces of paper ready to go. Absolutely. (laughs) The other thing I would do, I have a little set of these. um, I mean, I wrote transition words. One of the things to move toward intermediate speaking and writing is to use transition words. So I wrote like in the beginning and then and later and after that. And uh, the most important part was, and I put them on yellow sheets of construction paper and I call them my yellow brick road. Mm. And so I just have a copy for in, in a big class, like a class of 30 I actually make three little roads next to each other that I can listen to the kids um, speaking because it's hard if you have kids crammed in too close together. You can't hear who is who when they're talking, Uh, but they basically they start somewhere along the road. One pair will start at the at the beginning. One will start after that or after the, the scary part or whatever is on the block for that time. Um, and they'll start there and then somebody else starts at the end and you just tell the story from where you are. And then you go to the beginning and you start from there and work back to where you started. So you like your circle, like you just go like, and so, then you tell them when to move. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, I put all of the blocks and I usually try to do about 10. And so student one and student two at the first block have on their block, it says al principio at the beginning. One of the two of them is going to talk for in a lower level class, I would say maybe 45 to 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. And threes and fours, I say about 90 seconds about what happened at the very beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. And then wherever you stop, when the timer goes off, you move to the next block. Love it. Student two talks about what they see on the brick at their feet. So you might say at the beginning and uh, after that, because it doesn't matter how far guy number one got something happened after that. So you don't have to worry about, you know, am I going to be able to use these particular transition words? Because wherever their story ended, there was a next and an after that. And yeah, there's always a before and an after. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. I get them retelling and it's just no prep. If you have some generic, sometimes I make them specific to a story like, um, you know, First, his dad came home and then his dad, whatever. And then Mm -hmm. so it might all relate to a story. But a lot lot of times I just pull out the ones that I have with the really generic just transition words and they tell their story from those. But even if you have from the specific story, I mean, you don't even have to print this out. You just can have like a marker and get the papers and get 10 and just do the 10 and then just make a copy of the 10 or just have kids to write it out the, the the second copy so you have your three like rows in case you have a lot of teachers a lot of students and honestly now that we're sitting here thinking talking about it i i don't think there's any reason why you couldn't just project it onto your smart board and not even need to print out any papers or have rows like all of the students could just stand facing somebody and you can put the first 
uh, slide up, whether it's, you know, a picture that's to get them to talk about an event of the book or whether it's a transition word to get them started or like a sentence stem from some particular event. Uh, but I, if you projected it, they could all just be in the same place at the same time. Yes. And I love, you know, and I think what, what it really kind of like reminds me, especially of this activity and the other ones. It's like, yet we don't have a specific control of what every single student is saying at the same time. But I think we get a sense of where our students are and they are really gaining like a lot of ownership of doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because if we want to police every single word that our students say and make sure that (laughs) who can handle that and make sure that they're saying it correctly or that they're making mistakes or you know what I'm saying mistakes in quotation mark because who is making a mistake when we're learning a language right like when we're acquiring a language but when we let go we can enjoy these activities more because it's really because I know the question that um, a lot of teachers are going to have. Oh, but how do you know if they're talking? And why, what what do you know if they're saying that event in the correct order? And what about if they're conjugating the words incorrectly? And what about, like, right? Like, but it, that, that, that's a, it's not the point. <laughs> it's just not the no. point. If they're speaking for 90 seconds, like whether they're struggling sometimes to get words out or making mistakes and correcting themselves, 90 seconds is great. And they're doing that if we have 10 blocks down, each kid has to do that five times. So that's a lot of minutes. I don't math, so I won't even try there. But that's a lot of minutes <laughs> of talking. And, and there will be a, doing a, a great thing that is like great for acquisition and is retrieving information. And I think when they're retrieving that information, when they're really trying to get those words out, when they're really trying to recall that what happened, the event that happened, I think that will just do so much for our students' um, acquisition. Uh, and they are so easy for us. And it's like, we win. We are winning. We are like not spending a ton of time planning because this is great. So this is what I'm going to do, Carrie, because I think all these are great activities. I'm going to put them kind of like on a document and I'm going to put oh, the yeah. link of that document here in the show notes where you can just print it out. And this is my idea. This is my suggestion for all your teachers. Print it out, have it on your desk. And then after you read, you say, what are we going to do today? And just pick one. And it's like Carrie said, some classes may require like some independent work because whatever is the reason, sometimes you may want the silence, quiet day because (laughs) you need it. So you go with an independent activity. Maybe one day you just want the energy. So you go with a group. Maybe one day you're ready for a follow-up. You go with a follow-up. But again, you don't have to create everything from scratch. And they're working for every single text at any level that you have. Yes, 100%. This is so great, Carrie. Thank Thank you so much. I enjoyed being here. Thank you. So everybody, I hope that you're super excited because I am. So I will put that in the show notes so you can go just to the show notes and find the document is a link and I will email it to you if you're in email list. But I think these activities are going to really help you with made all it 
easy for you, made everything easier for you. So again, thank you, Carrie. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I hope that everybody has a good week. Y nos vemos pronto. Chao, chao.